Exodus chapter 20, and I'd like to begin reading with verse 22. Of course, the first part of this chapter is certainly very familiar, <clears throat> dealing with uh, the Ten Commandments. And uh, in many people's minds, I think they view them as the Ten Suggestions, but they're not that. They are commandments. God expects them to be obeyed. By the way, all nine, nine of the ten are, are carried right over into the New Testament. The only one that's not carried over is uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We worship on the Lord's day, the first day of the week instead of the Sabbath day, which would be Saturday. But all of them are still applicable, may I say. Thy shall not kill, that's still in force, or it ought to be. But that's not the message. I want you to look at verse 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus I shall say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold, and altar of earth. Thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen in all places where I record my name. I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if I will make an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. I was reading that, and I thought, that's not very flattering, is it? God said, if you do anything, <laughs> you've polluted it. And uh, for the life of me, I don't understand how people read the Bible and believe works can get you in. Uh... And he says, I, I don't want you to build it a hewn stone. I want you to just go out and get some rocks in the field and stack them up. Because if you lift your tool, if you break the rock up and as a rock mason would, then you've polluted it. Verse 26, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you, our Father, for another opportunity that you've given us to preach. Lord, I need physical strength tonight. I need uh, the touch of God. And Lord, I pray you'd help me. I pray for wisdom and power. May I just be a vessel in your hand. Help me to rightly divide the Word of God, to be an encouragement, to be a help, to be a challenge. I pray that you'd just uh, minister to each need. And Lord, help us not just to hear the Word of God, but to obey it. Do that for us. We cannot do for ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my message is primarily from the last verse, not a message uh, to uh, win friends and influence people, probably. But I think it's a necessary message and a message that certainly the Bible deals with. I believe that uh, all the Bible is the Word of God, and we ought to preach all the counsel of God. I've tried to do that over the years, not shy away from any of it. And sometimes it's not popular, especially in today's world, uh, when uh, many of the uh, commandments of God and the truths of God's Word are ignored. But God's Word is the same regardless. Uh, my message is nakedness. And I realize summertime's about over, but uh, I think this is something that, uh, that is present throughout the year and uh, something that Christians ought to be different in. Uh, from the very beginning, God clothed Adam and Eve with coats of skin. And I realize the, the main lesson there is showing them that 
a sacrifice had to be made and blood had to be shed and it pointed to Christ. But I believe also there's a practical lesson in that as well. Uh, in the fact that uh, after their nakedness was realized, God expected it to be covered up. And that's just very basic. And, uh, you know, I, I, this verse, verse 26, the Lord talking about building this altar, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Uh, if you think I'm strict and dogmatic, I, you know, that's, that's pretty tough right there. Uh, you know, the Lord said, I don't want you to go up the steps to that your nakedness be discovered or revealed there. Now, you say, well, this is Old Testament. This is to the Jews. This don't have anything to do with us. You know, it's quite amazing uh, that among some Christians, everything they don't like, they just give to the Jews. So ask the Jews. I don't have nothing to do with me. And, uh, but anyway, this truth is carried over in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 2, uh, verse 9 and 10. And maybe we just ought to turn there. You might want to mark that in 1 Timothy 2, verse 9 and 10. That's page 1275. 1 Timothy 2, verse 9 and 10. And uh, he says, uh, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, uh, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, of course, uh, the modest, uh, I, you know, I was uh, uh, looking this up, and one definition meant was a long flowing garment that is let down, long and loose fitting, not attracting attention uh, to one's, uh, uh, one's body. And... Uh, uh, you know, I, we, let, me, let me get into this first point and, and mention something here. Try to stay, if I can, on the subject. Uh, the effects of nakedness. First of all, it attracts lust. It attracts lust. I think a good determination of whether something is modest or not, if it's appealing, if it if it's, if it's, uh, meets the qualification of being modest, is where does, uh, if you are a lady tonight, where does a man's eyes focus when he looks at you? You know, I believe that the attention ought to be called to the face, not uh, the body or the contours of the body. And uh, that's a good rule, I think, to go by, is uh, that it should not attract lust. Now, the Lord Jesus in Matthew 5, 28 said, Whosoever looketh on a woman... The lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now he expanded on the meaning of adultery, that it was more than the act. The Lord Jesus said, if you play it out in your mind, that that's a sin. If you look to lust. And I want to say if a man looks to lust, if a woman dresses in an, in an immodest manner that unnecessarily attracts lust, I believe she's as guilty as the man. Or sometimes I think more guilty. Uh, but uh, uh, if it attracts the lust of man, now I think all of us know that men are influenced by what they see. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's the way God made things and there's nothing wrong with that in the, in the confines in which God established it, which is marriage. One man, one woman. 
Uh, but outside of that, it is wicked and sinful. So nakedness is wrong because it causes men to lust. And of course, uh, you know, it, it just amazes me of, uh, of how little, I mean, the, the swimsuits and all, they just get smaller and smaller. You know, it, it won't surprise me if they're just running around naked in, in a few years if the Lord doesn't come. And I guess that even happens some places. But uh, uh, certainly we as Christians, you know, you, the world, you don't expect anything any different. But the, sad, the thing that is sad in my heart is a lot of Christians don't see it. And sometimes Christians uh, dress like the world. We ought to be different. It attracts lust. That's uh, one of the reasons why it is wrong. And then not only that, but it's a bad example. We're to exalt Christ. We're not to do anything uh, that would uh, uh, take away from the, from the name of Jesus Christ. Let not your good be evil spoken of. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, you know, if there's a question mark about it, don't do it. Uh, if, uh, if, if in any way it detracts from the name of Christ, won't refrain from doing it. It's a bad example. And uh, uh, the Bible teaches in Titus 2 uh, that the aged women, you know, you know the Bible is, is kind to women. It didn't say the old women. <laughs> it said the aged women. Uh, are to teach the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, and, and so forth. Uh, and to set a good example, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, he says, to be an example to the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And I realize Paul is writing there to young Timothy, but if you'll read Timothy, he is... Uh, telling Timothy to teach these things to others, to teach them to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And he said, I want you to be an example. I want you to be an example in all these things. I want you to be an example in purity. Now, you know, if, uh, uh, if I put on a pair of shorts, I don't think I'd go to hell. But uh, I think it hurt my testimony. I think it might set a bad example for others. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, it's amazing to me that some men don't see anything wrong with it. They think it's wrong on a woman, but they don't think it's wrong on a man. May I remind you that uh, verse 26 does not differentiate uh, between the men and the women. And uh, when the Lord clothed Adam and Eve, he clothed both of them. So, uh, I, and I realize men are made different. I don't have to go into all that tonight, but... At the same time, I believe the Lord wants us to be clothed. Now, the men's apparel in, in the Bible times included breeches or, you know, when I was growing up, that's what we used to call the pants, is breeches. <laughs> uh, you remember that? And, and a girdle, which was a belt, and then an outer robe uh, that uh, was an upper garment rather than a shirt or jacket, and it was long, uh, really a long that went, uh, went down near the ground there. And uh, this was uh, their apparel there. And also in Genesis 9, let me just turn there, and I don't want us to get bogged down too much tonight, but in uh, Genesis 9 and uh, verse uh, 
at 22 and 23, uh, he says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. Now, Noah got drunk, you know, and, and uh, was naked there. Uh, he said he drank of the wine, verse 21, was drunken. He was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. Now, I want, you to, I want you to see this. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon both their shoulders, went backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, that they, and they saw not their father's nakedness. Now, I want to ask you, if there's nothing wrong with nakedness on a man, then why would they do that? I mean, why would they take this, this, this garment here, it says, and, and put it on the shoulder and go backward so they would cover their father's nakedness in his drunken state rather than look on the nakedness of the father? I think that's a, a, a very clear example as far as I'm concerned that uh, uh, not only uh, should, uh, should young ladies a guard against nakedness, but I believe also men uh, are the guard against nakedness as well. And so it's a bad example. And it damages testimony, as all, I've already mentioned that. Uh, it, it has an effect upon a testimony. I used to smoke. You probably don't know that. It's been so long ago, I can't hardly remember it. But uh, I stopped smoking before I ever started preaching. And... Uh, uh, I want you to be honest tonight. I want you to be honest. Uh, if I went outside after preaching and lit up a cigarette, would that bother you? You say, that bothered me, preacher. I mean, be honest. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Lift your hand. You say, that bothered me. Well, that bothered most of you. And some of you don't know where it bothered or not. But uh, I think it probably bothered most everybody. Uh, now, uh, that... Uh, uh, you know, again, if, if, if I, and some of you may smoke, and that's when you're in the Lord, but uh, I believe it would be a problem for me. I believe it would be a problem with my testimony. I believe, I believe these other things would be a problem with my testimony. So therefore, uh, I don't believe I could in good faith uh, do these things because of the effect. Not only the effects, but also uh, the associations the associations uh, of nakedness. First of all, it's associated with unbelief. Turn to the book of Luke and chapter number 8. The book of Luke and, and chapter number 8. A very familiar scripture that Brother Thomason gave us in Sunday school recently from, from Mark's account. But uh, in Luke chapter 8, this story of the maniac of Gadara in uh, Luke chapter 8. Let's just read a little bit of it here. Uh, verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. And notice what it says, And wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried, out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy Son of God most high? Beseech thee, torment me not. And, of course, he cast the devils out of him there. But uh, notice the condition of this fellow. He had devils a long time. 
wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tomb. Well, there's something wrong right off uh, with a fellow that wants to live around the cemetery. I wants to live in the graveyard. I mean, there's something, something wrong with him to start with. And the Bible said he wear no clothes. Now, that indicates a problem. I mean, there's something wrong. People want to run around naked. Uh, and it's associated with unbelief. Now, that don't mean everybody uh, that uh, doesn't dress properly. Uh, you know, I'm not saying they're possessed with demons or they're an unbeliever. But I'm simply saying that it's associated with unbelief. It's, it's identified with unbelievers. The thing that I'm amazed at is from the time I was a boy growing up, the dress styles of men and women and, uh, and how things have degenerated over the years until they become accepted. They, they, they became tolerated and then they became accepted. And uh, yeah, I think it's a tragedy. But uh, uh, this fellow... Uh, was in bad shape, and he wore no clothes. And then in verse 35, after God saved him, and the devils were cast out of him, verse 35, then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, notice what it says, clothed, and in his right mind they were afraid. You know, when God did a work in his heart, he wanted to put some clothes on, didn't he? It didn't say he's still there, he's still there naked. But he's clothed. I don't think he's got a pair of shorts on or a bathing suit. I think he's fully clothed. He wear no clothes before the Lord uh, cast these devils out of him. But now, uh, the Bible said here that he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Uh, you know, he gets his mind straightened out, he gets rid of the devils, and, and he, he puts some clothes on. It's associated with unbelief. And I, my, my, my challenge is, if a person don't want to be classified as an unbeliever, then dress like a believer, dress like a Christian. Associated with unbelief. Not only that, but it's associated with idolatry. Turn to Exodus 32, if you will, please. You say you're running us all over the Bible. I'm trying to prove what I'm preaching tonight. Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Nakedness is associated with idolatry. You go to some of these heathen nations and you'll find they run around naked. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it's a sad thing that... Uh, uh, a nation that is that should that's not classified as a pagan nation uh, would adopt the ways of the pagans. The music, this rock music, came out of the jungles. Came from those that worship devils, run around no clothes on, and 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 a lot of these things that have been adopted by our culture really have their roots in in paganism and idolatry. And we have an example of it right here in the Word of God. And uh, where Moses, a very familiar story, he's up on the mountain uh, there, uh, get in the law of God. And let's read a little bit of it in Exodus 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, 
We want not what is become of him. Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graven tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You know, I read that, and I can't hardly believe what I'm reading. I know it's true. I know it's the Word of God. I know what happened. But you tell me how quickly they forgot the Lord and how quickly a person can get out of the fellowship of God. Amen. I mean, they'd, they'd just seen the Red Sea parted. <laughs> well, I think if, I, if I'd seen that, I, I don't you know, how could you forget that? And here they are with a golden calf now. These are the gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. This golden calf parted the sea for you. This golden calf has, has uh, brought you this far and, and uh, preserved you. These are your gods, they said. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. And they rose up early in the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. We want to have fun. Now these are the people that God disbrought out of Egypt, spared their firstborn, plagued the Egyptians, and delivered them with a mighty hand. And now here they are worshiping this, this false god. Of course, up on the mountain, the Lord speaks there to Moses and tells him to get off of the mountain. And uh, he comes down and he uh, breaks, of course, the, the tablets and, and uh, uh, he confronts Aaron in verse 21. We'll just skip over there. It's a familiar story to you, I'm sure. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. And they said unto me, Make us gods, we shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. Now he's got it right so far. And, but verse 24, And I said unto them, Whatsoever, Whosoever rather hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it me, then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. You talk about a poor excuse. Now, I've heard some poor ones, but I think that tops them all. Uh, is that what he said over here? Verse 4 said, He received it them at their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And here he says, uh, uh, You know, uh, they gave it me, then I cast in the fire, and there came out this calf. And verse 25, and when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me, and so forth. But the Bible said they were naked. Nakedness is associated with idolatry. It has its roots, it has its beginning in heathenism. You want to be associated with that? I don't. I don't want to be classified with a heathen. 
I don't want to be identified with, uh, with uh, uh, idolatrous people. So it's associated with idolatry. Not only that, but uh, uh, it's associated with all ungodliness, lust, dancing, drunkenness, adultery, and murder. Let's look at another example in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. They're talking about Jesus here. Uh, he's relate, re, relating to us what happened to John the Baptist. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. And when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John. Uh, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Old Herod's conscience bothering him, isn't it? He says, John the Baptist. That's who it is, this Jesus. Verse 17 tells you uh, how John got his head cut off. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. But John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Well, that gets you in trouble even today if you preach about that, but it's true. It's still true. The Bible said he had married her, and John said, she's still your brother's wife. Verse 19, Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and the holy, and, and observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee, when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask to me whatsoever thy will, and I will give it thee. He swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. She went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. She came in straightway with haste in the king and asked, saying, I will that thy give me by and by in the charge of the head of John the Baptist. The king was exceeding sorry, yet for his own sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner, commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. Brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Well, I uh, didn't mean to read the whole story, but there you have it. We find the daughter of Herodias came in and danced. And I'm told that history records that she danced naked. Now, I don't know where she did or not. The Bible didn't say that she was naked. She may or may not be. But that's what I've studied. Anyway, uh, I'm, not, I'm against dancing too. You say, preach, you're against everything. Not really, I'm, you know, but I'm against sin and I'm against nakedness because God's against it. And I believe every Christian ought to be against it. But uh, it cost John his head and it's associated uh, with all the dancing and the drunkenness and the adultery and, and all these other things that nakedness is associated uh, with, with all these other sins. And uh, therefore, for that reason, 
uh, I don't think Christians ought to, ought to be a part of it. Now, in James 1.15, the Bible says, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Lust brings forth sin, and sin brings forth death. And we have a, a major problem with this sin in America, and a lot of it, I think, can be traced back to the nakedness uh, that, uh, that brings it on. Turn, if you will, to the book of Isaiah 47. Isaiah 47. Isaiah 47, page 755. And let's look at about five verses in this chapter. And he says, Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man. As for every redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit thy silent, and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kings. And I realize the Lord is using an example, of course, uh, to teach uh, about Babylon, and, and uh, there's a prophetic message as well. But I think there's a practical lesson in this uh, that... Uh, uh, said that uh, you'll no more be called tender and delicate. Basically, that you are no longer a virgin, you're a harlot. And we find what happened. Uh, the, the lady cut her hair off like a, a man, uncovered her leg even to the thigh, and uh, of course uh, crossed the natural God-given boundary that God established there and says your nakedness uh, is uncovered. In Proverbs 7 verse 10, and behold there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. He talks about the attire of a harlot. Well, a Christian's attire ought to be different, don't you think so? Uh, you know, uh, Timothy, the scripture I read there and, and also in 1 Peter chapter 3, he, he discusses uh, the adornment and the dress style of, of, of ladies that, and I think if you say that in the context that what God's trying to get across is that our dress style or whatever we do should not identify us uh, with, uh, with, unbe with unbelievers, with idolaters, with heathens, uh, with, with harlots, that uh, a believer should not send that kind of message, uh, you know, in, uh, in their, their dress style. Now, here are some of the excuses. Let me move on and try to get through. I'm burning up. You know, it's hot. <laughs> That's why. You know, I'm, I mean, I don't want to be associated with unbelievers. I don't want to do any of that. But, I, you know, it's just hot. You know, the, the, the strange thing, if you go to the Middle East, you know, to the, to the countries where it, where it stays hot uh, most of the time, it gets real hot, uh, you find them, I mean, about the only thing you see is their, you know, uh, of course, the ladies, you know, they have to wear the veils and so forth, and all you can see is the eyes sticking out, and you see their eyeballs. That's about it. And, 
I mean, I'm not saying get you a towel and wrap around your head like, uh, what's his name, that uh, uh, Palestinian. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, uh, you know, I, really that's, that's not an excuse. You know, we, they, they talk about the problem with, uh, with skin cancer. And, of course, I've, uh, I've had one taken off and had other precancerous things taken off from time to time. And when I was growing up, uh, you know, it was just a normal thing. I mean, you pull your shirt off and got a tan. I mean, that's just what I'd done. And, and I'd usually get sunburnt first thing, peel off, and, and didn't think nothing about it. Doctor said, that's why you're having a problem now. Well, I wish I'd known then what I know now. I don't know where I'd uh, listen, but, uh, uh, you know, I hope you'll listen. <laughs> don't make the mistake that I made. But it's becoming a real problem, you know, the damage from the sun and the sun rays is causing a lot of damage. Uh, but uh, uh, probably your grandparents, when they went to the field to work, I mean, they put on a big old hat and, and, uh, and you know, put on long sleeve shirts. And I know, uh, you know, my family, they, uh, I wear long sleeve shirts even in the summertime, not just to church, but if I'm out in the garden working. And I do that for a purpose. And they say, well, you, I burn up like that. Well, you know, really, it, uh, I think it has a reverse effect. Uh, the doctor told me, he said, there's no such a thing as a safe tan. He said, any time you get a tan, you're damaging your skin. There is no such a thing, the dermatologist. So, uh, I think, you know, uh, there's the practical lesson. I think God was trying to teach us a long time ago. Uh, and now the doctors are saying, you know, the Bible's right after all. Uh, that uh, you ought to keep yourself covered up. But uh, then, of course, there's the excuse of the design, and I guess that is, uh, you know, a reason, one of the main reasons. People, you know, they want to uh, be like everybody else, and that's, uh, that's, that's a big problem. And there are many other excuses. The truth of the matter is, it's popularity, uh, attention, and uh, the flesh, really that, uh, you know, do I want the attention? Uh, you know, the temptation of a young lady to display her body to... Uh, I want to say that uh, if you attract a husband in that way, I'll guarantee you, you'll end up with the wrong man. If you attract a husband that's only interested in your body, you're going to end up with the wrong fellow. So my advice is that... Uh, that uh, try to display the Christian virtues and, and the things that, uh, that are inward and the things that please God, and that's the things that, that really count. Well, I hope this kind of a study has, has been a help to all of us. Let's bow our heads, please.